Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Riftwalkers. I'm Ryan, the DM and voice of all those non-player characters. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to come in here and give a huge thank you to our newest legendary patron, Brayden N. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world to us, and it makes the show possible. If you're interested in supporting the show, check us out on Patreon. We write up fun little RPG supplements every month, and we'll be releasing a Riftwalkers one-shot for all levels of our patrons in the next few weeks. Now, here's Riftwalkers. With Lyrian and Saren leaving with the Lady Quenberg to fulfill his mission to Vale, the party of Erlandir, Lerotz, Mick, Ifran, Val, and Kelnies continued northward, deeper into the kin-occupied lands, on a new mission, from Quenberg herself, and by extension, their friend, Vamak. Apparently the Valors had intensified their efforts against them, and their duty now was to hunt down the aspects of these Valors and put an end to them. Right now, however, each of them could just use some rest as they approached the nearby town of Dornbreich. It's the morning, and after a quick breakfast that is basically the last of your supplies and packing up of camp, you're all pretty good to go. You have a better view of the town ahead, and it won't actually take as long as you may have thought last night. It's only an hour or so before you truly reach the outskirts where you encounter large fields. A few workers, still far off, stop their labor and stare at you as you go along the little winding road. You pass by palisades of rotting wood, stuck in muddy holes of putrid water, serving as outer defenses as you approach the ramshackle wall that surrounds the entire town. Looking ahead, you see no buildings actually outside the walls. Everything is contained within the Motten Bailey that is Dornbreich. The gate, its beams of wet wood held together by fraying rope and ties of thatch, creaks something awful as it opens inward. And then a dozen soldiers with rusted spears, wearing fraying hauberks, fan out in a semicircle as they gather around you and the gate rattles to a stop. Two individuals stand just behind these spearmen, one elfkin and one fellish human. Rolander would have just been walking in whatever formation Val had told them to walk in if there was a formation. I imagine there's probably some sort of protocol for servants to walk behind <laughs> the rest of the household, so... So then who is in front? Um, probably Val and Mick. Yeah. How important is Val's father? Um, I... Where are you in the tier system? Better question. Uh, fairly high, because I do know the military was a big deal, and him being a really high-ranking general. But that was also 800 years ago, and no one cares. So, how... Would, is your guy high enough to have a bodyguard. Ooh, what do you think, Ryan? Traveling outside of Elvarette circles? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, then I'm going to have Lerotz take on that job. He's going to pretend to be your bodyguard. I'm going to guess that a couple of kinish generations is enough for people to forget how Lerotz looked, so he doesn't really have to worry about anyone recognizing him. You go into the little town and there's just like big old posters of Lerotz, like the hero <laughs> of the city. Like... <laughs> 
everybody's like, <laughs> there's like a statue of what? him in the town square. Whole nine yards. I will state for the record that I would have cast seeming on Kalnias and the Rhodes in case I need to change their appearance, but they currently look like themselves. Yeah. Maz can have basically, they're free to roam in Kinlish lands. Okay. Upon seeing this human, after all that, <laughs> um, I think Val will look to, it was an elfkin with him? Yes. Okay. Look to that elfkin and say, strange company you keep? No stranger than what is normal. Men, you may remove your helmets. There is no threat here. And all of the soldiers remove their helmets, revealing them all to be humans. The, the elfkin then steps forward and he says, Welcome to Dornbreich. My name is Kot Emre. And you are? I am Senres Sulisel. We don't get many Elveret here. That's an understatement, actually. We don't get any Elveret here. What brings you to our town? Well, we are sort of on the long hunt for my ridiculous son who saw fit to travel southward. Interesting. And you think he would have come to Dornbreich then? Well, he has a penchant for humans, so it would not surprise me. There are other towns similar to ours. I'm sorry, but you are aware of our function here, no? I am not. Inform me. Dornbreich is a... Well, these humans here fought in the war against us. They were captured or surrendered and brought here to be rehabilitated. This is their town, he points to the human. So to speak, I am but an emissary of the Ascendancy. This is the mayor. His name is Caltest. And the fellow human steps forward and in actually very good kinlish says, It is a pleasure to make your acquaintance, Senres. And then he gives a deep bow and then stands back up. Mm. And they enter this rehabilitation willingly? Kotemre puts his hand on Caltest's shoulder and says, Yes, of course. We have many prisoner of war camps that they could instead be housed in, but they choose to stay here, to run their own enclave society, so it is. They, of course, are not granted tiership within the Ascendancy, but they are doing their part to bring about peace between kin and man. Well, it sounds like the perfect place to look for my son. Perhaps you would let us in. Of course. I'm afraid I was actually just about to be off. I only come here once a week. But Caltest would be more than happy, I'm sure, to take you on a small tour of Dornbreich. And if your stay is extended to show you proper facilities. That would be very nice. Then, without uh, anything further, I bid you goodbye, good sirs. And he gives a curt bow and starts walking past you all, leaving. Caltest then turns to disguised Val and says, Please, if you'll have your group, follow me. I see you also have an elfkin with you. And a mazkin. A pleasure. Yes, we will We will make proper arrangements. Of course, the Mazkin will have her own lodging, if at least others that have come through, if that's what they've desired. Is that permissible? He 
looks nervously between Kelnias and Val. Uh, Val will look at Kelnias like, what do you want to do? But in sort of a fatherly commanding way. <laughs> Kelnias looks at Caltest and just shakes her head, but does not speak. And he says, ah, yes, of course. Then we will lodge you all together. Please uh, follow me. As you fall in behind him, looking around this little circle fort of sorts that is Dornbreich, the buildings that are on the inside seem to be made of mismatched wood. Their thatched roofs are in different states of disrepair. Large swaths of the construction are speckled black with mold or decay. An inner wall runs around the base of a sizable mesa in the middle of the town, a simple fort standing atop it. The only thing here, actually, that's made of stone, as well as the peeling wood like everything else. The party is led around the small town to an earthen ramp that goes past the inner wall over a dry moat and to the last wall of the fort itself atop said mesa. Another gate of loose construction rumbles open to let you in. The fort is a simple square with one floor of stone and then two more stories of thinning wood. A pair of archers stand on the very, very top, looking down from the battlements. Caltest leads you inside and he says, This bottom floor is an administrative office for the town, with the floor above being the personal quarters for officials such as myself. Uh, the top floor is a small barracks that's mostly unoccupied, and so that's where you can stay while you're in town. Lastly, there's the records, coffers, and emergency stores in a basement a ways below. I I'm sorry, but that will be off limits to you, I'm afraid, while you while you stay here. Why don't you all take a, a few minutes to get settled in upstairs and then meet me back down here? If you are going to be staying and using our amenities, taking from our stores, we live according to the Elkin Creed here. We don't have things such as money, and so I hope you wouldn't mind doing some work to earn your share. <laughs> Val, not Val. Yes, it is Val. Sorry, I was—I I got so into character that Val was in character there. Um, <laughs> uh, clicks his tongue and says, I believe my wife and I will abstain from such things, but we can provide money as a means of payment. Caltest just gets this, like, really regretful look on his face, and he's like, I'm very sorry, my lordship, but... By order of the Ascendancy, we cannot accept Elveret currency here. Well, then if not currency, perhaps we could be tonight's entertainment, huh? I am very sorry. I, I did not catch your name. Oh, it's Deirda. You heard it. I, I'm sorry, my mistress, Deirda. But we do also not partake in such frivolous things. We are expressly forbidden from doing so. I am unsure what kind of culture you, Elveret, stem from, as I have only ever met one more of your kind before. Well, under whose authority are all these rules? Why, the Ascendancy, of course. Through their emissary, Cotemre. Huh. Well, it is too bad that he has already gone away. Yes, I, I, I am sorry. There are many things here that the elf can make sure of, for instance, as you may have seen, there are no buildings outside of Dornbreich. Our agreement with the kin restricts us to the fort. But, but we're not complaining. We farm during the day and come back inside the walls at night. 
we do have some pastures to the north and east that are fenced and such with sizable herds of cows and sheep. Please, why don't, why don't you take a minute upstairs and it would be best if, if you would be able to render your aid. We could use some sturdy folk as yourselves and what you've brought along. Please, I'll be down here and why don't you get acquainted with your quarters? Yes, do give us a moment, please. Kelniace gives him a sweeping bow and then folds her hands in front of her and gives him a little nod and then starts climbing the stairs to the second, then third story. Is this ascendancy? Is this, this is the system that's old enough that like Lerots would know about it, right? It's a little different from what was in Lerots' time, actually. It's a lot more democratic. <laughs> Okay, because if I remember correctly, with the tier system, there weren't things like money, though, right? Like, this is just kind of the Elfkin way. Like, you just kind of did your thing, and you participated, and everyone participated, and everyone got the guy. Yes. Okay, cool. So this, this isn't unusual for him, necessarily. No, no, no. Like, he's never had money. But when Leirotz was there, the ascendancy, or the hierarchy, as it's also called, was a bit more despotic. In that case, uh, as... I'm assuming everyone kind of goes upstairs to freshen up for a moment. Um, he turns then to the image of Val's father and says, ah, You don't think it worthy that we contribute our part? Honestly, I think they're doing damn fine work here. Helping reform these barbarians is something that at least appears to be civilized society. The least we can do is contribute and help out a bit. They look like they could use a bit of stout work, and I understand that you're not the most uh, strong type, but I've got a couple of arms on me here, and we all know that Rillan Deer can throw a couple of things around it. You know what I'm saying? I do not know who Rillan Deer is. <laughs> <laughs> and I am not surprised, LaRotz, that you find the work they do here worthy. The barracks that you are have been assigned to are quite bare. There are simple bunks for each of you, and there's more than enough beds and chests to store your things in. As Kelnius is upstairs, she just breathes out a big breath and is like, Oh, God. Oh, to talk. That wasn't very long, but you know what? You miss it. I'll say that. You miss it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Val, in very quiet... Uh, Fellish says to the members of the party who have no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is the craziest place I have ever seen. They are like rehabilitating humans here. I don't know. They're keeping them as prisoners of war, but they are making them farm. It is very strange. Um, I think I had an idea. Perhaps we could tell the humans that you have been learning, Fellish, and we could uh, just have you speak to them in that. I uh, don't know. What do you think? I am perfectly fine with that. I am also perfectly fine not understanding a thing, but that might lead to me inciting a riot amongst these people. So do whatever you feel is best. It, it could be. We will also have to work while we are here, which is not ideal. Um, oh. I mean, I don't mind, but um, my father would mind very much. So it's it's hard to think like him. But Lerotz has no trouble doing it, I see. Of course not. If I have dedicated my life to seeing the just and equal ways of the Ascendancy promulgated on this fine Agadon, do you think I would stop when humans are finally given the opportunity to understand what they are missing? Of course not. Let these humans learn the value of hard labor, learn the value of cooperation, and the value of community. Ah, this is just, ah, it makes me want to weep. So beautiful. When he was speaking to me, I could see the truth in the cause. 
<sighs> no, I will do the work. It's all right. You were right are always too busy. Not doing anything to actually work wouldn't be <laughs> surprising gosh. to me. I will go and I will work so I do not have to listen to any more of this. Um, <laughs> besides, that is what we are supposed to be doing anyway. If you record the Lady Quenberg told us to do whatever good we can, which here apparently is farming. So I will go and I will pretend that I am learning Felish. And um, Leroz, if you have anything else to say about the great features of this place, you can tell it to anybody else. No, of course not. I will accompany you. We need to go down and do the work. Now is a time when we can make it happen. It would be absolutely unforgivable if I would let someone like yourself go down there without representing my fair race to this great, great image of a city, of a people, and of a better life. Well, that's quite lovely. I'm so glad that after 800 years that you can experience this again. Um, I do believe, though, that our ultimate task, too, was to do good here, but also to meet an old friend. Perhaps we should be looking for them. I, I think perhaps it is quite likely we will find them uh, doing this work that will be assigned to us. Kelnius pipes up and she's like, that's what I'm afraid of. Um, but anyway... Wait, 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 wait. What What do you mean that's what you're afraid of? Look, I've been with you all for very little time, and nothing ever goes quite as it should be. <laughs> so when old friend, I doubt it's something actually friendly. Let's be honest. Verlander just kind of shrugs his shoulders like, huh, yeah, no, he's got, he's got I bet point. you we're going to get out there and we're going to see none other than Commander Butthead Igdolas. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it might be. Kelnius looks to everyone who's not Val and Leroth's, and she says, Just so you all are aware, I, Mazkin don't normally speak outside of Mazkin societies. So when we're around these humans, I won't be saying anything. And then she grits her teeth. If you would like to develop a, a signal, perhaps I could, you know, cast message to you if you have something that you want to be said. Yes, yes. If I, if I'm waving my arms around my head and pulling my finger to my throat over and over, then maybe you could reach out a bit. I, it does, does seem a little bit too obvious, no? Val says, completely missing the point. <laughs> yes, I agree. It would be much better, perhaps, if you did a bird call. Coco, coco. <laughs> That could be adequate. How about you just point at your head? You're all a very humorless bunch. Yes, I'll point at my head. Was that supposed to be funny? <laughs> Lerotz has begun walking down to find the labor, and he is singing a traditional kinlish work song. <laughs> like something you might hear as prisoners smashed rocks in a chain gang. And Kelnius looks toward everyone else and says, yeah, we should all go down before he does something very stupid for all of us. It's too late for that. It has already happened about 15 times. As you all then move back downstairs, having stowed some of your things away, your possessions that you don't immediately need, Caltest greets you again and says, ah, welcome back. Now, I was talking before about these pastures we have. Well, they're off, some of them to the east, well, those ones are, are pretty safe, but we've got a few that are more westerly, mostly cattle, and something strange has been happening. We've been posting some farmhands as security overnight recently as 
Someone's been rustling our herds. We've lost nearly a dozen cows in the last couple weeks, and if that trend continues, we won't have enough supplies for ourselves when the kin come through here and take the half of it. Now, please, you, if you need some food or whatnot, you can go to the common hall. It's just down the ramp and across the way. If you're hungry, they'll serve you. But then you might want to turn in. I'll wake you later. But it's, it's going to be a long night for you all. Ah, a long night of hard work is hardly a burden at all. Indeed, helping you protect these fine lands is just, it brings great honor to me. You said there was hair? Good, I feel like I could eat a horse. And he begins walking. A big kin horse, too. (laughs) (laughs) As you make your way out of the fort, back across the moat and the earthen ramp, walking through the town, you only see humans moving about. The population regards you with suspicion, at best, closing their doors or shutters as you pass and moving away from you on these streets, if you can call them that. It's really just mud paths. As you reach the common hall, which is quite plain to see, there's a woman who greets you and introduces herself as Sana. Says she'll whip something up and then orders a little teenage boy to get you drinks as you sit down at your respective couple tables where he shows you. He goes, Hey, so, some, something to drink, my lord. <laughs> it's little voice. Yeah. <laughs> he says in broken kinlish, too. Oh, he's about to get some ancient kinlish in response, so I hope he's ready for this. Oh, dear. He won't be. <laughs> he stares at the young lad. He puts a gigantic hand on the young lad's shoulder, and he says, ah, Young boy, you're doing some fine work here. Now, I too must do my duty for the ascendancy. So unfortunately, I will abstain from any of the headier drinks and will only partake of water, as will my compatriots, as we have no interest in dulling our judgment or our skills during our vigil this evening. At this point, Rolandier, <laughs> he has no idea what's going on, but he kind of understands that the boy's a waiter, and he just kind of raises his hand, and he says in, like, what he's attempting to be a bad fellish accent, he just raises his hand, and he says, Beer! Beer! (laughs) Ignore him. (laughs) Efron is then like, Beer! Beer! We need water. Many clear glasses of water. And speak to the woman. The fine worker who is currently making our meal that though we accept whatever she is willing to give us not to fill our plates too much, we know that the cost for changes are high. (laughs) You guys are also currently disguised as teenagers. Oh my gosh. The boy is completely just overwhelmed with this rambling speech of Rotes and the chanting of Elvaret teens for hard liquor. <laughs> and he nods his head to everyone multiple times and then runs off and disappears inside the door. Poor kid. <laughs> well, that was fun. <laughs> now kind of whispering to... Um, is it a crowded area? I don't remember. Like, is it full of people or are we kind of the only people there? There's only one other person in there, but they're, uh, they're like in a sort of darker corner on a table, just completely passed out, pissed. Good. Sweet. <laughs> ah, disgusting. 
Oh, doesn't even have the shame to hide himself when he's being useless. Now, at that point, once Lerot says that, one of the spearmen that actually greeted you at the door comes into the hall and says, Oh, good, he says in Felish. And then he, I'm sorry, he apologizes in Kinlish and runs over to you. I'm glad I found you here, Mr. Tenrez, he says to Val in really bad Kinlish. Senres, what is it? The mayor has, or... Oh, my good uh, boy, please, uh, speak in fellowship if it's more comfortable to you. Oh, uh, yes, thank the gods, yes. And Rolandir, just smiling, says, yes, work on fellish. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he's pointing to himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are, are your servant folk learning the human tongues? They are. My my son saw it fit to teach it to them. Oh, well, you speak rather flawless yourself. Well. That's all Val has to say. <laughs> where, where is beer? <laughs> <laughs> the spearman just gives disguised Efron a very strange look. But then he points over to the table in the corner. And he says, that man there is Caltest's current head of town security. He's the one that's been sending out the different farmhands. I wish he were awake and able to speak with you, he says, yelling in that direction. As he says this, Lerotz is overcome with indignant rage that one of the town's key, absolutely crucial figures would be pissed drunk in the middle of the afternoon. And it's just... It's, He's so angry that he stands up immediately, kind of forgetting that he's supposed to be the bodyguard right now. And he just stands up, wait, 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 wait. and he, he's like towering over this guy. You mean to tell me that that man there is the one in charge of making sure that this fair and wondrous town is secure? Uh, yes, and uh, I was coming to to uh, hopefully find you and introduce you, but he's already here, which. I kind of expected, to be honest. But, um, he'll be accompanying you tonight. Worry not, my boy. I will take care of it now. And he is going to storm up to the drunk man. I don't suppose this kid has come back with the water, has he? No. Lerotz then is going to storm up to this drunk man. You tell me that you are the town security head! Just screaming in this guy's face. The man kind of moves and as he stands coming to an admirable height himself is this very large imposingly cut Demlik man and the spearman runs over and kind of just tries to stand between the two of you both of you dwarf him and he says ah master and then turning toward the Demlik man captain Brynjir I these are the folk you will be accompanying tonight. Caltest's orders. And then he sprints out of the common hall. What do you think you are doing arriving drunk in the middle of the day? You are in charge of this place. You have been given another chance by the Ascendancy, a chance to prove yourself, prove your worth to society, and prove yourself as a being worthy of our care, not some sort of barbarian living beyond the mountains, and this is how you spend your time drinking. 
You dare spit on a gift from the Ascendancy, I see. This way. You can ignore him. The rest of us usually do. Just, like, lean back and, and shout that. Their direction. Val's not going to intervene. He's just <laughs> letting this new gentleman know that the Rhodes is always like this. <laughs> uh, hearing these words being yelled at him and kind of listening to what one of the underlings told him, he's not even sure who it is at this point. He stands up a few inches shorter than Lerotz, and he has uh, kind of a deep black hair with a soft gray skin tone, while not quite as dark as the kin's, a bit of a softer gray. He also ha- seems to have a bit of facial hair, not super grown out, but it's just kind of scraggly, not very well taken care of. He also has this distinctive mark on his neck. It kind of looks like a sunburst encased in a square of a couple of lines kind of like uh, that are woven together, kind of like a Celtic knotish type woven kind of stuff. Is this a tattoo or a scar or? For all intents and purposes right now, it is a tattoo. This man stands up. He looks at Lerotz. He looks up at him. You know, I do not really give a damn what you think. Me and the kin have come to an understanding. I do what I want. I I serve them well. And they leave me alone. So, welcome to the life, my friend. You call getting pissed drunk in the middle of the day serving them well? You disgust me. You are a horrific excuse for even a barbarian like a human, much less someone who has had the chance to arrive at the ascendancy to see their power. I can only hope that one day you realize the great chance you're thrown away. This sort of apathy is the reason that you all used to live in dung and were returned to such a state. Oh, I just, oh, I'm, I'll be back before the evening. And Lerotz is actually, he's actually seriously frustrated and he just leaves because he can't even look at this guy. Who pissed in his beer? Vale about 800 years ago. Lerotz, please, darling, don't go. Yes, please, don't go. <laughs> <laughs> so, who are you? If Ron doesn't say anything, you know, he's still in disguise. But he is staring rather intently at the Demlik man before him, looking at the mark on his neck. You, uh, <laughs> little one, is there something the matter? Were you speaking in Kinlish? I, uh, probably, if yeah. everybody else is. Okay. Then responding in Liku, Efron says, Do I know you? Uh, I don't know. I've been here for a while now. It's unclear to me. I I don't remember meeting Kin. How do you know my language? And we're like the only people in this bar? Yeah, it's a common hall. You're the only ones there. Other than the cook woman and the waiter boy who are nowhere in sight. Well, my people are very secluded. Not a lot of outsiders are allowed in. Why would they let a kin in? They would probably not let a kin in. But, uh, Val, it is quite alright. I believe I know this one. You may um, change me back for a better moment, please. Yes, I'm, I'm quite sure. I 
believe I do remember him. Unless there is more than one walking around with such a mark on his neck. Kelnius at this point actually steps forward and she's like, Perhaps tonight, before we go and do this job of theirs, we can have this little reacquaintanceship. For right now, I think it'd be best if we kept the disguises and not waste our energy. I'm sorry, Efron. I'm just... That's my opinion. Very well. Fine. Then we shall discuss this tonight. But for now, I suppose we are at your disposal. Uh, what did you say your name was again? My name's Brynja Ingrid. Brynja. A fine name. Very well. Then we shall uh, do as you command. After we get our beer, of course. He says this a bit loudly. <laughs> so you are able to get fed and you have water and beer, if you so desire, from the common hall. At which point, one of the spearmen who is stationed outside leads you back to the fort, speaking once more with Brynir before they leave, agreeing to meet him at nightfall at the city gates. Kelnius bids you all a sarcastic good night because it's still rather light outside it's almost midday to be honest and she says well see you all in eight hours or so guess we have a long night ahead of us and she goes to sleep slightly buzzed Rolandir will go to sleep as well without too much ado is the Rotes with us or has he wandered off permanently he just went back to go to bed early he couldn't handle the stress. <laughs> he's already asleep grumpily snoring. <laughs> His utopia is falling apart. All because some guy thought it was a good idea to get drunk in the middle of the day. Disappointing. <laughs> Ifran, who was this this man that you recognized? How do you feel you know him? Well, before I was whatever I am now, I was a merchant and I traveled all over. And uh, I once met a Demlik boy. This must have been some 20 years ago, give or take. And he wore the same strange mark on his neck. And if I recall correctly, the elders of his town seemed to think that he was important. Though I cannot recall why. Um, perhaps it would be good to ask him. But it is quite curious that he would end up here, of all places, working for the kin or for the kinish government. But perhaps we were meant to find him. It is a very strange place we find ourselves. Mm. True. Perhaps he will be friendly. Perhaps he will not even remember me. He was quite young at the time. He was but a small child. Perhaps we can ask him about this when we see him later. For now, it would be probably be best to go to sleep. As you all do your best to nod off in the middle of the day, get what little sleep and rest you can before having a most likely eventful night, and a restless one at least, as night falls, you are led outside of the fort by one of the spearmen that initially greeted you and pointed in the direction of the gate, where you meet back up with Rynir and another spearman. The spearman then greets your group outside the gate and says, I should be three, four ands out there already. You're their relief, so uh, yeah, tell them Cal sent you and send them on their way back here. If they give you any trouble... Uh, they shouldn't. Brynir's with you. They won't give you any trouble. You know where the pasture is? Northwest here. With Brynir, your newest addition, the large Demlik man. Seth, why don't you give us a 
You already described a little bit of him, but what's he wearing? What's he carrying? Brynir is six foot eight inches in uh, height. He actually doesn't seem to be have too much on him. He honestly has, since it gets kind of cold, he has a, a fur on his back. But he actually, when they had seen him before, he was wearing kind of like a, just like a linen shirt. Now he's actually shirtless with uh, just this this hide on his back and just some regular pants. But he also seems to be decently equipped. He has a great axe at his side and then a war hammer on his back. So as you move through the night, you arrive at the pasture in a little under an hour. The moon is slight. It's barely there. And there's little light. When you arrive at the pasture, you don't see any farmhands. And you don't see any cows. We best be careful. We are close. Uh, It seems that they may have already come to do the deed to steal the cattle. Can I summon the archbishop and send her out to scout in the darkness? You may. Does she have dark vision? Or... It's, she's an owl, so I can't imagine that she does not. And if she does not, then I will have to have words with Wizards of the Coast about that. <laughs> so. We'll, we'll assume she has dark vision. So as she is summoned and she takes flight, are you going to look through her eyes? Ooh, yes, I suppose. So having a much better view then suddenly of this pasture, Val... You see the fence that runs all the way around, and you see a bit on the north side that's been trampled down, where the fence is just demolished. And you actually see two bodies slumped against broken poles of fence. I think I found the other watch. I will describe the scene to my companions. And uh, how do you know this? I, I saw your creature, but... Oh, sorry. I am looking through her eyes at this moment in time. There are two dead men over on the far side of the pasture. I'll blast it. Well, we best be uh, about our wits, and perhaps we should go in that direction. Always seems to be the place where we go, where eminent danger is. Why don't you all fall behind me, and I'll take the lead. Brynir leads the group through the pasture to the north side, where you do find these trampled fences. Looking around for a bit, you are able to locate the two corpses, and it's two boys, about 15 or so, seem to have been murdered and then thrown beside one of the fence poles. They've been stabbed multiple times, and one of their faces is caved in beyond recognition. Like I said, the fence is knocked down, and you don't see any cattle. It is clear from the trampled grass where the herd went, however, and it honestly won't be too hard to follow even in the slim moonlight. Brynir, seeing the smashed-in face of this young kid, actually kind of winces at the sight. Whoever did this will pay, and then follows the tracks. Kalnius says, Well, that Spearman, he said there were three of them, didn't he? So where's the third? Perhaps then there's a traitor among your clan. I wouldn't call them my clan. I don't associate with other humans much. Anyway, you with the owl. Yeah? 
Can you see any farther ahead? I can sense it to look, yeah. I do that. <laughs> so the Archbishop reveals to Val then that the trail goes northward until a forest where it's quite thick and the Archbishop can't really see through the canopy, but that trail does enter the forest. Uh, they went into the forest. That is the best I can do. Right, let's move out. Kelnius looks to her side, Rolandir on her left, Mick on her right, and she just goes, I've got a bad feeling about this. And she grips her sword. I don't see why you would. We are given the chance to maybe save one of these fair workers after two were so tragically taken away from us. Only success will come from our journey. I can feel it in my bones. Right then. And Kelnius starts trudging off following the trail. Rolandier follows in tow. Yep. Well, that may be the case, big one. Get your weapon ready. So as Brynjir leads your merry band through the trees, it's clear that the cattle trail went off into the woods, just like Val said. However, the tracks start to become fewer and further between. And the ground becomes moist, almost sticky, as you trudge through it. In the little light that there is now, it's strange. It seems to have gotten brighter, almost a twilight feel about you. And you can see that the grass is in fact wet with blood, and the bark of the trees around you are painted with occult symbols. Eventually, following the cattle trail, the trail comes down to only one pair of tracks, two feet, not a cow, into a small clearing. All around, the dismembered limbs and such of the cattle herd hang from silken threads wrapped around tree branches reaching down above you. In the middle of the clearing, as you look forward, suspended in mid-air is the third boy. His arms and legs are splayed as if he's about to be quartered, his face turned up toward the sky in a dead stare. The strings that hold him aloft glint in the moonlight, but disappear from your sight as you try to trace them to their source. And then a voice, smooth, feminine, metallic almost, rings out from above, saying, Cattle, chattel, servants, sheep, come to die. And come to sleep. Strings and whispers. Daggers too. I've always had my claws in you. And then, like some sort of perverted circus performer, riding a membranous silk, the form of a woman descends from the twilight sky above. Her legs and arms intertwined with bundles of silken cords. Her hair and skin have a silvery sheen to them, and her eyes are a milky white. She wears nothing, but her body is featureless. And she simply smiles to you as you all take your places at the edge of the clearing. And looking down at yourselves, you would have noticed that Val's seeming has gone away. Brynjir is actually going to charge, but he did remember the 
the strings that seemingly vanished and wants to, as he's charging, almost be a bit more careful or more observant to not run into one. As Brynir charges, swinging his great axe, you pass right through her. You feel the tiniest prick on your back as she attaches one of these threads and then just sends you flying across the clearing and it rips out of your skin, leaving the tiniest wound behind as you roll to a stop, hitting against a tree on the opposite side of the clearing from everyone else. And this woman starts to move in the air toward the rest of you all, her eyes focusing mostly on Val, Rolandier, Mick, and Efron. And she says, You really were too easy to manipulate. Even now, you don't see the strings that pull you along. Mm. Remember your poor friend, Luca? Remember the mural? Oh, Luca, Luca. Where is he now? Wasting away in some terrible plane of Baterham? <laughs> it's a shame. He was the most fun to prod. And your Goliath friend? <laughs> so obsessed with his own power, he couldn't see the obvious tugs from behind the scenes. It was really all too easy, wasn't it? Luca lived when he should have clearly died. The first two people that you meet in this new world were so ready to help you. Almost completely undisturbed and low on you were. And then you just give a mark away. <sighs> Too easy. Too easy. <laughs> and now the elf has gone off on his own accord? Fantastic. Granted, it took me longer to separate you all than I had planned. And she looks down to Mick and smiles wide. Her lips cracking open her cheeks to reveal even more teeth in a smile that is literally ear to ear. You. Always playing, acting, hiding. <laughs> Do you think you're any less complicit than the others in bringing such a great evil into this world? No, my dear. You are not. And neither is this idiot Amir, who always plays his part so perfectly. <laughs> she looks toward Ifran. Oriel, god of chance and luck. <gasps> I don't wish to spoil your day, dear boy. But not one decision you've made since meeting Mick has had the slightest thing to do with luck. It's been by design. My design. And even you, finally turning to Val. Why, Count Pharaoh Algir could never have become the great and debaucherous Mirlag if not for your help. She kind of gestures to Le Rots and Kelnies and points over her shoulder to Brynjir, who's now getting up on the other side of the clearing. Yes, save for your new, few newest additions. I owe all of you my greatest gratitude for adding to our ranks. Our aspects will bring a terror to this world that not even a thousand years of war has seen. You poor, poor soul. And then she just glides carelessly back into the middle of the clearing, cocks her head, and then Kelnius looks up at Rolandir, and then just her eyes wide, and at Val next, and what is this? Rolandir, with a saddened but understanding grimace, turns back towards Kelnius and says, well, 
You were right about one thing. It's never good to meet a friend of ours.